Welcome to Central Assembly's podcast. Here is a message from our lead pastor, Kurt Jenkins. We pray this message speaks to you. All right, so I just wanted to recap uh, this past sermon series and talk just a little bit about December before we get into today's message. Over the six weeks of Craving Hope, we had at least 13 people, many more hands raised, but we didn't, we didn't get to collect uh, people's names or pray with a lot of them at the altar, but we had at least 13 people documented that were born again for the very first time or rededicated their lives, many of them already into uh, discipleship relationships. Over those six weeks as well, documented that we know we had at least 33 first-time guests because of individuals like you uh, inviting people. So amen to that as well. Many of these people that came through there, it's because they were invited by church members uh, through that Craving Hope series. I was looking at some statistics uh, from studies that were done. You'll see a, a slide up there that there is power in invitation. These are, these are national studies that are done with thousands upon thousands of people, of unchurched folks, people that, that don't normally go to church, they're not, they don't have a relationship with Jesus. In current statistics, I think maybe from a year or two ago, it says that 67% of Americans say that they would respond to a personal invitation to church from a family member. And 63% would respond from a personal invitation from a friend or a neighbor. Listen, the odds are not against us as a church. The odds are for us. And these are statistics. That's not counting the Holy Spirit that lives within you. So I know people can get nervous. I've never talked to somebody about coming to church before. I've never, never asked anybody to come to church. These are people that are just walking up and talking to unchurched people that don't know the Lord at all and saying, you know what? I probably would just try it out because I know these people, because I trust them. They're my family member, they're a coworker, they're a friend, and so on. So that encourages me. That should build your faith and excitement uh, to know that you can do this. You can bring somebody to the Lord. We believe advancing the kingdom of God is going out and is sharing the gospel and is praying for the sick and is sharing the love of Jesus to people outside the walls of this church. And we also believe that evangelism is asking people to come inside the church. Maybe they respond to a message differently here than they might if you're sharing them in a workplace setting. All of it counts. All of it's advancing as gospel. We would encourage you to continue uh, to invite. We're going to have some testimonies in the upcoming weeks of individuals uh, who have invited people in the past year or so and how those people's lives has changed because of Jesus uh, through the ministries at Central. And hopefully it's going to just stir your faith and your excitement to invite more people even this December. Uh, This December, we are going to launch a series called Faith to Believe, and it's going to be on different elements and different aspects of faith. It's going to address the believer It's going to strengthen our faith and how we can live by faith according to what God's word says, not according to what we see, what we read in the newspaper, and what we feel. We need to get better uh, living by the word of God through faith. And it's also going to encourage non-believers, unchurched people that just uh, don't even have it settled in their mind that Jesus actually is the Messiah, that he was born. And we're going to encourage them to have faith, to believe, to be born again. So that's going to be throughout uh, the month of December. We'll have opportunities to invite people there, and we'll give those uh, the invitations out in the upcoming weeks. Amen? Amen? That was just my trick, so I could take a drink of water. <laughs> so what I want to talk to you about in the next uh, few weeks, my, this week, <clears throat> next week a little bit, 
On Thanksgiving Eve at seven o'clock, we would encourage you to come out to that if you haven't done that in the past. And then uh, I'll be gone one of those weeks, so we'll have someone else speak on matters of the heart. I was thinking throughout Craving Hope how Sundays, they come and they go, sermon series, they come and they go. And as we close out 2018, years come and they go very quickly. I feel like at times we don't like just slow down and actually talk about where we are as a church, uh, you know, why we do the things that we do. So like I said, today and the next couple of weeks, we just want to regroup. We want to talk about the why behind some of the things that we feel like the Lord's doing in our church and really connect to God's heart uh, through this. We do believe that God has us on a specific mission. That's why we've committed uh, a couple of years to pray about it, to work through it before actually releasing it. In fact, you can put it on the screen now. I want us just to read that together. All right, it says, our mission is to produce a unified family of believers being transformed by Jesus and empowered to live supernaturally while advancing the kingdom of God everywhere we go. What we're going to do in the future is design ministries, design discipleship, design our outreaches around what we feel like the Lord's doing. It's not going to be a banner up there that we just talk about once a year. We're actually going to design and go into the direction for the result of us actually being a unified family. How many of you know we have a lot to figure out with hundred, you know, several hundred people just staring at me once a week and then several groups during the week you know, with small groups. We have to figure out how to do family life. More in, in a better way. Does that make sense? You might be in a healthy family, but we have a lot of single folks too. So we want to bring us into a healthy church family and how we do life. And we can look at the book of Acts uh, with that. When we see the word transform, we wanna put a demand on that, that we're giving time, offering opportunities, developing ministries where people's lives are actually being transformed by Jesus. We can't say that word lightly and then just move on week after week. That word empowered, we have to develop ways to not just delegate a responsibility, but to actually empower you to live out the God-given dream that he's placed inside of you. I talked about this, I think it was earlier in the summer, maybe even in the spring, how you aren't here for us. The pastoral team, the leadership of this church is here for you. We've given our lives to come alongside of you because each one of you have a God-given dream and destiny. God's placed a purpose inside of each one of you. So we want to meet with you. We want to encourage you. We want to create systems and ministries that will fan that flame so that as you as an individual are walking this out and you are fruitful and you are fulfilled, then you will have life to give to the unified family of Central Assembly of God. Does that make sense? So a lot of times churches will be structured in such a way that the members are here to like serve the leadership. That's not biblical. We are one unified family where, where if you look even in Ephesians chapter four, that the, the leadership of the church, right? The people who operate apostolically, prophetically, teaching, evangelistic, pastorally are here to equip the body to do the work of the ministry. It's not like, well, wait, they don't have to do the work. You have to do the work. No, that, that's not it. It's so something comes alive inside of you because God's placed purpose, plans, and destiny inside of every single person that says yes to Jesus. We want to partner with you. It's a privilege to partner with you in that. We believe if we are operating as a healthy family, we are constantly being transformed. That's not a one-time event. And we're actually empowering people to live supernaturally above their natural ability. We actually believe 
that not just during outreaches, not just during missions trips, we actually believe every single place that we go, including lunch today at a restaurant, to your work tomorrow, anywhere you go when you're cutting the grass this week or raking leaves this week instead, that you can advance the kingdom of God. That you're not waiting for hired clergy to do that, but that you actually feel empowered that you can make a difference in this life. Amen? I get excited when I think about this because God's on the move. He wants to do something and we're committed to partnering with him through this. So when we looked at this, this past March, we launched this mission statement. We talked through eight different weeks of these different values and these four values that I just talked through. In the summertime, we talked through the Holy Spirit, all these different elements, attributes, character traits, people baptized in the Holy Spirit and power, actually understand they can hear his voice because we said without the Holy Spirit's empowerment, none of this mission happens. Does that make sense? So we have to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Right after that, we... we, we uh, flowed right into craving hope where we talked about Jesus. So now we're, we're trusting in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, hearing the Spirit's voice, but we need people to know Jesus, to be transformed by Jesus. So we spent, I don't know if it was six weeks, eight weeks on craving hope where we went through different passages in Isaiah, proving that Jesus was the fulfillment of all of these prophecies, right? So now I'm being transformed by Jesus. I know that we're on this mission. I need empowered by the Holy Spirit. And these few weeks here, we want to talk about the Father's heart. If we're not connected with the Father's heart, if we're not taking time to listen to what the Father is saying, then we're not even going to want to be empowered. Jesus isn't going to be a really big deal to us if we're not connecting with, his, with the Father's love. To know the only way to be right with the Father is through Jesus. So we want the Father's heart. We want to know what his heart is in the matters of central and in the matter of your own life. I believe all these things strategically placed, the Lord is doing something in our church to lead us up to, to December to talk about faith, where we can know that we're empowered and we're on a mission. We know that Jesus is our only hope. We're connected with the Father's heart. Now we actually have faith in what his word says to change the steps of our daily life because we have faith that he is going to do what he already said. So today I wanna to talk about one aspect of the heart of the Father and it's divine alignment. We wanna come into divine alignment. I believe the Lord's doing some things sovereignly and I believe that we can also take a step as well. If you wanna to, to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 13, I'll get there in a few minutes. I want us to see how God intended his people to stay aligned with him. But we see in 1 Samuel 13 how that failed. Now Samuel, he's an interesting uh, biblical figure because he actually served as Israel's last judge and he also served as a priest and as a prophet. You don't see people filling all of those roles, but it's interesting for him, it's unique uh, for Samuel that he was their last judge before they named the first king. He's also operated as a priest and a prophet. So what that means for him to be the priest or the prophet aspect of it is he was the voice and representation of God to the people of Israel. God, up to this point, God was their king. They had no earthly king. God ruled and reigned as the king of their hearts. And then Samuel spoke on behalf of God to the people. The problem came in is when the Israelites saw how other nations were being ruled and reigned by kings and they wanted that same thing. 
And they, were, they started to come out of alignment. So listen, when you look at this, God's kingdom is not supposed to mimic the kingdoms of this world. The kingdoms of this world are supposed to be being transformed back into the kingdom of God. Now, how does that happen? Right? The kingdoms of this world don't get pulled into the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God advances into the kingdoms of this world. Where are the kingdoms of this world? Everywhere we go. So how does God advance his kingdom into the kingdoms of this world in order for the kingdoms of this world to be transformed back into the kingdom of God? Absolutely, through us. He could sovereignly drop the divine bomb on us all and we're just completely transformed, but he doesn't. He chooses to use you and me to advance his kingdom. But what happens here is that in 1 Samuel, the people said, we want an earthly king because it seems to be working out here. So we want a man in charge of us. So in chapter 10, Samuel anoints Saul to be the first king of Israel. In chapter 11, we're just flying through. I hear you turn it back to 10. We're just going straight through the 13 here quickly. In chapter 11, Saul defeats the Ammonites, which really confirm his kingship over the people. And they say, okay, you are the one. You're the anointed one. You've defeated. You're a strong leader. So you are our king. And they did that through a ceremony. In chapter 12, starting at verse 12, I'll just read just a little bit here. Samuel's talking to the people and he says, listen, when you were afraid of Nahash, the king of Ammon, you came to me and you said you wanted a king to reign over you, even though the Lord your God was already your king. You see how they were in divine alignment. The God the Father was their king. They're saying, listen, we're afraid of this other guy. We need a guy on the ground to tell us what to do so we could defeat them. So Samuel says, all right, here's the king that you've chosen. You asked for him and the Lord has granted your request. He goes on to say, listen, if you honor the Lord, fear the Lord, and your king recognizes the Lord as, uh, as his Lord and God, things are going to go well. His blessing will be upon. However, if you disobey the Lord, if you come out of alignment, it says that a heavy yoke would be upon them. In verse 17, he talks about how the rain at this time of the year doesn't come during the wheat harvest. But Samuel says, I will ask the Lord to send thunder and rain today. Then you will realize how wicked you have been in asking, for, uh, asking the Lord for a king. Samuel called to the Lord. The Lord sent thunder and rain. And all the people were terrified of the Lord and of Samuel. It says in verse 19 of 1 Samuel 12, it says, pray to the Lord, your God for us, or we will die, they, asked, uh, they all said to Samuel. For we now... For, we, for now we have added to our sins by asking for a king. See, God had a purpose and a plan for the people of Israel, that he would be their God, he would be in charge, he would be their king. But they chose to come out, out of that divine alignment. And because of that, there were grave consequences to happen. Listen, I, I honestly believe that you can only expect God's best in your life when you are divinely aligned with him. When he is your king, he is your roller, he is your Lord. Does this make sense? When you come out of alignment from him, it's not that he is, is throwing all kind of bad things in your life. It's that you've come out of alignment. You've come out from under his covering. He wants to bless you. He wants to protect you. He wants to provide for you. But when you're coming out of alignment for him, he can't. Does that make sense? He chooses to give you a will to stay in relationship with him 
so that it can flow from the Father's heart to your heart. So when we pick up in, in chapter 13, we see Saul is 30 years old when he became king. The Israelites, they already defeated one troop of the Philistines and the Philistines are mad. They hate the Israelites more than they ever have before. And they've now gathered a large army. Starting at verse five, it says, Philistines mustered a mighty army of 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, as, as many warriors as the grains of the sand on the seashore. They camped at Michmash, east of Beth Avon. Don't get confused with these names. Follow the big idea here. It says, the men of Israel saw what a tight spot they were in. And because of that, uh, they were hard pressed by the enemy. They tried to hide in caves, thickets, rocks, holes, and cisterns. Some of them crossed the Jordan River and escaped into the land of Gad and Gilead. See, when God is your king, you can act in the boldness of your king. Amen? right? He's my king. He's my dad. He's my father. He's my daddy. I can walk in boldness. So the enemy's attacking and it can look like you're surrounded, but because he is in charge of your life, not another man, not another woman, you can operate in that boldness. But what happened is Israel put a man in charge. They came out of divine alignment. And now what they're doing is they're mimicking the nature of a man. And what is happening with that man? He's becoming nervous. He's becoming afraid. He's becoming impatient. So what do they do? They mimic where their focus is, right? But if they continue to look at God, they wouldn't be focused on their enemy. They wouldn't be focused on what another man's doing. They would have stayed in that divine alignment and been able to operate in boldness. But it says in the second half of verse seven, meanwhile, Saul stayed at Gilgal and his men were trembling with fear. So Saul waited seven days for Samuel as Samuel had instructed him earlier, but Samuel didn't come. Maybe Samuel had a little rest stop somewhere. I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't explain why he didn't come. Back three chapters earlier, in chapter 10, verse eight, Samuel's talking to Saul and he says, go to Gilgal ahead of me. I will join you there for, for this reason. Listen, I will join you there to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. Who are these offerings being made to? To the Lord, yeah. So this isn't a worship to Saul. Samuel's keeping the divine alignment. So even though God's original intention was God is the king, Samuel is the prophet speaking on behalf of the people or of, of God to the people. The, the people chose a king. So God says, okay, we'll work with this. We'll still create a divine alignment. God is still their Lord. Then there is a king, but there is a prophet divinely aligned to still do the sacrifices and the offerings. There was an alignment made between the political and the spiritual realm that was supposed to continue to happen. And there was instructions given. But Saul realized in verse 13 or verse 8 of chapter 13, it says Saul realized that his troops were rapidly slipping away. So what did he do? He demanded, bring me the burnt offerings and the peace offerings. And Saul sacrificed the burnt offering himself. So this was directly against Samuel's instructions. This was directly against the directives that were given even way back in Deuteronomy chapter 12 of how an offering to the Lord was to take place. When I was reading this, this past week, I started thinking, like offering a sacrifice to the Lord, not, not, not an animal, right? Yourself, an act of service, an offering of money, an offering of time, whatever it is. That's a good thing. And that's a holy thing. And it's an honoring thing, but not if it is done in the wrong motives or the wrong way. 
So Saul's sitting there and he's saying, I'm getting impatient. All of my guys are getting nervous. I'm getting afraid. I'm gonna do this thing myself. And you say, well, this is good. He's offered him an offering. No, it was against what the Lord and how the Lord wanted him to do it. The offering itself, good. The method and how he did it and the motives of why he did it were wrong. And because of that, there was discipline that was needed. I started thinking, wow, we could do so many good things for the Lord, but out of the wrong motives and they're wasted. Wasted offerings, wasted time, wasted gifts, wasted calling. Why? Because we came out of divine alignment. All he's saying is, listen, just wait. Wait for Samuel to come. Wait for him to come. Wait for him to make the offering. The victory would be yours and the kingdom would be yours. Saul, out of fear, took things into his own hands. Out of impatience, he took things into his own hands. And what he thought was honoring to the Lord was actually dishonoring. So in verse 10, it says this, just as Saul was finishing with the burnt offering, isn't it just like God to send Samuel right there? (laughs) He's cleaning up the offering. Samuel arrives. Saul went out to meet and welcome him. But Samuel said, what is this you've done? Saul replied, I saw my men scattering from me. You didn't arrive when you said you would. Blame it on him. And the Philistines are at Michmash ready for battle. So I said, the Philistines are ready to march against us at Gilgal. And I haven't even asked the Lord for help. I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering myself before you came. Verse 13 says, how foolish, Samuel explained. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. Had you kept it, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. So I'm looking at this, I'm like, wow, like God's setting up a divine alignment between the spiritual and the political. And even though it wasn't in God's original plan for Israel to have a king, God was going to bless Saul with Israel's kingdom forever. But because Saul came out of divine alignment, God actually shifts what lineage Jesus is going to come from. How, you can think how much Saul wasted in that one moment. Obviously, we're in a new covenant now, so I'm not saying if we mess it up, if we miss God's timing, he's gonna punish us and we're out of his kingdom. I'm not saying that, but I am saying there are consequences when we willfully step out of the divine alignment that he has. Even when I'm thinking about the spiritual and the political, I absolutely believe the Lord wants to do that in America today. I, want, I believe that he is sending prophetic, apostolic, pastoral people into President Trump chambers. You see opportunities for them to pray for them, him, to bless him. You see that there's an alignment that wants to take place, but both the spiritual and the political need to agree to stay in alignment, right? The, the, the spiritual side can't come in and just try to get their agenda done through the, the politicians and vice versa. The politicians can't try to manipulate the spiritual, There has to be a choice on both ends to stay in alignment for God's ultimate will to be done. So I'm not saying that you need a prophet in your life to have God's will, right? But I'm saying you stay aligned with the Father and then he will send people to speak into your life, to encourage you, to teach you, rebuke you, correct you, fan that flame alongside of you so that his purposes, his plan, his destiny can be seen in your life. I believe, I was praying this about a week, maybe a week and a half ago, a week and two or three days ago. I believe there is a divine alignment occurring within our local churches for 2019. I wanna be real with you. 
be transparent with you. Over the past several months, I have observed uh, an unusually high transitioning of people between local churches, maybe four or five, six different churches. I've just watched it and I've been in prayer about it. And Central, uh, we have welcomed handfuls of people in from other churches and people that are brand new to church. And hopefully we've welcomed you with open arms and love, acceptance. We've also been able to, uh, by people's choice, been able to bless people and release people from the covering of Central for them to do what they feel called to do. I'm not, it's, you know, something I roll to judge someone's heart of what God's calling them to do. What I do is I hear people's hearts, ask the right questions, and then bless them and pastor them. And I want to tell you, it's not easy when people transition out of the church. I'm just being really real right now. It's not easy because you love people. Like you're not, you're not a number on our list of things to do. So the pastors, the leaders, elders, deacons, teachers, small group leaders, we love you guys and we care, right? So when people do transition out, like that hurts. I talked to another pastor. I'm like, why does this hurt so bad? He's like, if it ever stops hurting, like get out of the ministry, <laughs> right? Because you become callous to it. So that, that it, it can hurt. But when you know, when we know that we are on a mission to empower people to live way beyond what they ever thought they could, and we're gonna advance the gospel, we know that we're ascending church. So we know that people are going to leave and they're gonna do things that maybe they were never called to do here. And I was praying about this and my heart was hurting one day and I feel like the Lord said this. I feel like he said, in the past, some have come and gone, not just out of our church, but just local churches. Some have come and gone out of season, out of emotion and out of their own will. But this particular season, is his divine shifting that is preparing each church, not just ours, I'm talking local churches of Washington County, each church to excel in this upcoming year. It is him and it is in season. I feel like the Lord said he is moving his people to strengthen each body within their specific anointing. So I started praying a little bit about spirit-filled churches, churches that have you know, similar belief system to us. And I feel like he said this, that though we recognize and focus on our own strengths and our specific mission, if we truly desire to see revival in this region and not just in our own churches, there will come a day where we will recognize the strengths of each other and partner with those anointings. And then we will be released to operate region-wide as his five-fold expression. So what I feel like the Lord is doing is this is on purpose. This is not like, well, aren't people getting along with other churches? This is, no, I believe there's a divine alignment that's occurring. And I believe he's just calling people in and out of different churches to set us up for the most successful, effective breakthrough years that this entire region has had in 2019. I believe there will be a day where there are revival services and crusades in our region, not hosted by a church, but hosted by a city of churches, a region of churches, so that churches that follow the apostolic, the prophetic, evangelistic, pastoral teaching together, that will be the full expression of Jesus's ministry in this region and in this city. That makes me excited. running out of time. I'll finish, I'll finish a lot of that next week. 
Let me just share this. If you're newer to Central, again, I hope that we have welcomed you, that we have loved you. And we, we want, if the Lord's calling you to be here, we want you to be here, right? We want you to be a part of our body. Is Denise DeMeo here today? Denise, it was Pastor Volp that told you when you guys were in transition years ago, right? You were in transition from churches and Pastor Volp, pastor here for 37 and a half years, said, listen, you don't have to make a decision right now. If you feel like you're in transition between churches, just call Central, your interim home. Come here when you want to. Uh, you know, if you're not visiting other churches and just let the Holy Spirit speak. So I'll say that same thing to you. If you come here, we're not grabbing into you and say, okay, no, you're gonna come here. No, use it as a transition home if you need to. Just rest in the Lord until he speaks to you so you are planted deeply and firmly in the church family where God wants you to be. One of the values that I have that I would love for people to do whenever they leave Central, and most do, is if you're, if you're transitioning out of another church, is go back to that pastor, ask for their blessing, and ask for him to form or her to formally release you out from under their covering. The relationship that you will have with them will be so much stronger uh, in the future. Now, I understand some pastors just don't operate that way. They don't really wanna meet with you if you're leaving. I understand that if you offer that to them, Hey, can I meet with you? I just, want, I just want your blessing upon my life. I'd like for you to release me, you know, from under your covering, under the protection of the church and so on. And I'm, I'm just trying to sense out the Lord. As long as you extend that to them, I feel like that you will stay in divine alignment with the Father. Does that make sense? If you've been with us a long time, I want you to embrace people. I believe that this shifting is still happening and it will continue to happen. So it's a big difference between seeing these people, wait, didn't I see them in another church? This, and understanding this is the season of transition of the Lord. And he's doing it to strengthen this church, that church, that church, that church, that church, that church. So now it's like we could get excited about transition because there's gonna be a firm rooting into the ground of the Lord, into the soil of the Lord, launching into 2019, that just maybe, just maybe next year, we will see a combination of churches that look so different from each other coming together to see a revival in this region. That stirs my faith. That stirs my excitement to know we can be on this mission and join together with other people who are on a different mission but headed in the same directions. You know we are on the same team, don't you? So I looked, I was thinking, I was like, Lord, what like illustration? I love football. So I'm thinking, man, so some churches are an offense. Some churches are a defense. Some churches are special teams. Some churches are the coaches. It doesn't matter. We're on the same team. Right? So maybe he's shifting some people from offense to defense. Maybe he's taking some people from special teams to offense. That doesn't matter. We're still on the same team. We still have the same enemy. We still have the same opponent. When we start seeing that people are leaving or people are coming, they're changing teams. That's not kingdom. That's not kingdom. Right? So if you don't see somebody in your group anymore, you're like, oh, they left our church. That can hurt because of relationship and love. They're still on our team. Just in a different part of the field. They're just listening to different play calling. We gotta get this right. We can't think that God's only gonna move through, through this church. In fact, I believe it opens him up, opens our hearts up for him to move even more when we know he is absolutely capable and we're excited about how he's gonna move at other churches too. Wow, let's pray for that right now. And we'll deal with all that next week. Why don't you stand with me? So we're going to pray for other churches right now. <laughs> and then at, what we'll do, we'll close service out 
here and we're gonna have some altar workers, they're current altar workers, people that we trust, we know have been trained. They're gonna have some partners with them today that recently completed the Developing a Prophetic Culture group. So what they've done, they've been trained at learning and hearing how to hear God's voice, how to release prophetic words that speak to people's destiny and so on. So we're gonna have our altar workers with a few people that are next to them that they can partner together to pray for you to sense what God's heart is in the matter of your life, right? If we're talking about matters of the heart, then we want to know his heart. And yes, you can hear the Holy Spirit on your own and you can hear God on your own, but he still uses the prophetic. He still uses words of knowledge. He still uses words of wisdom to encourage and edify and confirm what his word says and what he's already saying to your life. So first we're gonna go after this for the churches and then we'll call people forward if anybody wants to come forward for prayer. Will you pray along with me? If you know other church names, you can name them specifically. I'm not going to because then you'll be thinking, what churches is he naming and what ones isn't he? I don't wanna get confused. Father, we come to you right now and we ask for your Holy Spirit to continue the divine alignment in Washington County and in this region. Father, we trust that for whatever reason that this is the season that you're shifting, you're moving, and you're transitioning people. So Father, we bring to you a heart that hurts at times because we love people and we don't wanna see people go, but we also bring to you a heart of excitement and a heart of faith to know that you are the same God of central as you are to churches in Peters Township, McMurray, Washington, Cannonsburg, Cecil, and everything around us. You are the same God, and we are on the same team. And Father, when we hear of people being saved, baptized in the Holy Spirit, transformed, God, that's a testimony of Jesus in their lives. So we can celebrate those things, Father. So even right now, we pray that you would continue the divine alignment and the church bodies, in the church families, God. We ask, God, that the ones that you are sending to different churches, that they would say, this is home for me. This is home for me. That's home for me. This place is home for me. And we pray for that for Central too, that those who come in here that you're calling to stay within this fold, within this covering, would feel like never before they are in the place that they call home. And Father, I trust that only how you can do it You're aligning people in their positions. You're aligning the strategy of their gifts, their anointings, their passions, their callings for 2019. Father, I I believe this is the training camp. This is the training ground. This is the preparation season for you to do something significant in this church and in other churches and in this region this next year. So, Father, we prepare our hearts today, November 11th, 2018, for all 365 days of 2019. And we pray for the pastors, their spouses. We pray for elder boards, deacon boards, leadership teams of the Washington County churches. And we pray, Father, that they would catch your heart. We pray, Father, they would grow in passion, that they would grow in revelation of your word, that they would grow in faith, God, that they would hear your heart for where they're supposed to preach, how long they're supposed to fast at the beginning of the year, what ministries they're supposed to structure. And God, we pray for your Holy Spirit to fall in these local churches. We pray, Father, for more salvations that have been recorded next year than in any other previous year. God, we pray that you'd fill their houses with people who have never even walked into a church building before. Father, we pray, God, that their times with you would be sweet and satisfying, that they would hear your voice 
more clearly than ever before. And Father, in due season, at the right time, we pray for a divine alignment of the spiritual leaders of this county so that the ministry of Jesus, the five-fold ministry of Jesus would truly be expressed the way you want it to be expressed in this region. Father, we wanna play our part. We are so privileged to be a church body in this area where you want to move, where you are moving and where you will move in a greater way. God, we don't wanna come out of alignment. We don't wanna miss what you wanna do. So Father, if we think that you're gonna show up in, in seven days and it's seven and a half days, God, I pray that we don't do something like Saul did. I pray we wait on you. We rest in you. And we constantly seek to know your heart so we know when to move and when to stay and what direction to turn. And you're so good. You're not hiding any of it from us. You're gonna lead us and help us and guide us along the way. We love you, Father. We love you, Father. We thank you, God, that your heart is so revealed through scripture and through the life of Jesus. Just give us more passion for your heart today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check us out on the web at centralconnect.org.